God, we thank you for an opportunity to gather together today. We're all facing so many different situations and scenarios, and we didn't show up this morning because we were bored. Uh, we showed up because we're looking for help. And so, God, we ask you to meet us right where we're at. For the person that's hurting and broken and lonely and isolated, God, would you meet that person right where they're at? God, for the person who feels like they're on top of a mountain and they don't know how it could get any better than where they're at right now, would you help that person right where they're at? The person who's going through family struggles, financial issues, physical issues, would you meet that person right where they're at? God, we open our hearts to you today. We let go of our ideas and our ways of doing things in this next hour, next 40 minutes or so, for the sake of just embracing what it is that you have for us today. We look to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to look in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19. And I'm going to start this morning by reading out of the message paraphrase, and then I'm going to read uh, from a couple, I'm going to add in a couple things uh, from a few different translations. I'll tell you when I do. Maybe if you're, if you're new to reading scripture, you may not know this about the Gospels, but if you read the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll notice that it's a lot of the same stories told different ways. And the reason that that happens is because there are different people writing the books, and so it's written from different perspectives, and all of the perspectives are really powerful in us being able to extract applications for our own lives, meaning how does this apply to me, and uh, what are things that I can use to actually push my life forward. So Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, it says this, Another day a man stopped Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So Jesus said, Why do you question me about what's good? God is the one who is good. If you want to enter the life of God, just do what he tells you. Everybody say, just do what he tells you. Then the man asked, yeah, but, but what in particular? Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, but I've done all that. Uh, Mark 10 says, I've done all that from my youth, since I was a kid. He says, so what's left? Jesus responds and says, if you want to give it all you got, here's what you do. You go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor, all your wealth will then be in heaven. Then he says this, then come follow me. I don't know if you're tracking what's happened here. Basically, he's inviting this guy to be a disciple, kind of like just like, like he did with all of his other uh, disciples. Verse 22 says this, but that was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so crestfallen, disappointed, discouraged, the Bible says that he walked away because he was holding on tight to a lot of things. Everybody say a lot of things. And so because he was holding on tight to a lot of things, the text says he couldn't bear to let go. As he watched him go, Jesus told his disciples, do you have any idea how difficult it is for the rich to enter God's kingdom? Let me tell you, it's easier to gallop a camel through a needle's eye than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. So the disciples are staggered. They're shocked, the Bible says. What are you talking about? They said this. So then who has any chance at all? Jesus looked hard at them and said, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. But every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. The, uh, the New Living Translation says it like this. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. Say impossible. But with God, the Bible says with God, everything is possible. At this point, the Bible says that Peter chimes in. And Peter says, Jesus, we left everything and we followed you. So what do we get out of it? And Jesus replied, yes, you follow me. Uh, if you continue down, it says, not only you, but anyone who sacrifices home, family, fields, whatever, 
because of me, they will get it all back a hundred times over. Not to mention the considerable bonus, on top of all that, of eternal life. He says, this is actually called the great reversal. Many of the first, people who thought, up, thought that they would end up first because it looked like they would end up first, those people, they end up last. And then everybody that looked like they weren't going to make it, <laughs> everybody who their situation and their scenario put them in the position of last, they'll actually end up first. I want you to think about this this morning as we continue our conversation. I, 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 was, talking about, uh, I was talking to a friend last night, and he asked me this random question. He said, he said, what's the closest you've ever been to a wild animal? And I said, well, like what kind? He said, like a, like a big wild animal. What's the closest you've ever been to a big wild animal? So I immediately thought of this story. I, th I may have shared it here before about a camping trip I went on with uh, my brother-in-law. And uh, we went on this camping trip uh, to go fishing. We like doing outdoor stuff. And so we had packed up uh, our tent. And we drove up into the high elevation, high country, mountainous terrain, uh, this lake that my dad has taken me to since I was just a little boy. Like, uh, we grew up there as, I, as a little kid. So I, I've had a lot of experience in, in these mountains. I know them really well. And, and so we're camping out there. And, and it's, it's nighttime, so it's time to kind of get into our tent and go to sleep. And so I brought a cot. Uh, he, he didn't bring a cot with him, so he was just in a sleeping bag on the floor. And I'm laying in my cot, and uh, I start to drift off to sleep. And he starts bugging me. He starts going, heck. I'm like, what? And he's, he's, going, he's going, I think there's something outside. I'm like, dude, we're in the mountains. Like, of course there's things outside. He's like, no, no, I think, that, I think there's something big outside. And I'm like, there's, it's, it's literally impossible for there to be something outside that can hurt you. And I was telling him, like, I've, I've been coming up here since I was a little kid. It is impossible. He said, I, th I think there might be a bear outside. There's not, okay, there's not a bear outside. Elevation's too high for bears. Never seen a bear here. Been coming here for a long time. There's not a bear out. He said, but it sounds like... It just sounds like there's a big dog rubbing his nose against the tent. Kind of like, psh, 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 psh. I'm like, you're being a fra fraidy cat. You know what I mean? Like, go to sleep. And so he, he's like, okay. I'm like, I promise you, impossible. It's impossible that there's a bear. So I, I closed my eyes, and I had, I had brought a, a sidearm handgun with me, and I put it in my uh, sleeping bag <laughs> just in case. And um, I don't know what happened. I credit it to God, honestly, because I'm, I'm, I'm asleep. And all of a sudden, I open my eyes, and like the split second I open my eyes, here comes the tent crashing down in on my face. As the tent, and this is like all happening in like a millisecond. As the tent comes crashing in on my face, I barrel roll. I don't know if you know what a barrel roll is, but it's an impressive move. You should look it up on YouTube. I barrel roll. I barrel roll out of my car. I stand up. like It's like a movie, dude. I have my handgun posted, and I'm yelling at my brother-in-law. I'm saying, get your light. Get your light. Except I'm in panic, so I'm yelling, get your shoes. I don't even realize it. I'm going, get your shoes. Get your shoes. And I look over at him, and he's like putting on his shoes. It's like middle of the night. I'm like, what are you doing? He said, you told me to get your shoes. I'm like, not your shoes, dummy. Get your light. And so he gets the light, and and I said, shine your light right there. And I'm squared up. He shines his light. I kid you not, there's a big old bear from me to the floor monitor right there, like that close. Big old bear. We freak out. We panic. The bear's more scared of us uh, than we are. And it takes off. And we live to tell the tale. I look, I look above the tent. I'm not kidding. Probably about 12 inches above where my head was. And there was like slash marks through the tent where the bear had, had clawed. And we live to tell the story. Can we give it up for us for living to tell the story? How incredible. But it was impossible that there would be a bear out there in them woods. Impossible, impossible, impossible. You ever think about in the realm of what's possible? I think when we think about what's possible, we're, we're usually by default kind of forced to think about what's impossible. Because I think when it comes to possibility, we don't really know what's possible. 
And the reason we don't know what's possible is because every time in life we seem to be so sure that it is impossible. Doesn't it seem like those impossible things sometimes become possible? Have you thought about the things in life that we used to think would be impossible? People used to think it would be, be impossible that we would, we would uh, be transported or travel by any other means than, uh, than a horse and carriage. You realize that? Like the idea that we would have cars, like something mechanical that you can get in and turn on, and you could drive all across. That's impossible, and yet we have it, right? The fa- remember flying? Do you remember like, we would never be able to fly. Birds fly. Humans don't fly. And yet we created airplanes. This, the impossible became possible. Did you know that people used to think that the fact that we, we would never be able to have some sort of device, a phone that wouldn't plug in, that you'd be able to take wherever you go. Some of you don't even know like what life would be like without that. But there was a time when that was an impossible idea and yet it became uh, possible. In life, there are these impossibilities that, that really we kind of struggle with and we think about and, 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 and we deal with this whole concept of what is possible or impossible based upon our experience. When you were a kid, people probably told you, uh, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? And they could tell you, you could be anything, right? Like anything is possible. But at some point, you were confronted with the reality that the thing that was possible, you weren't willing to do what it took to be able to become that thing. What am I talking about? There's some people that want to be a Navy SEAL until they find out when you get Navy SEAL training, you got to drown to become a Navy SEAL. There's certain people in life that I want to become, I want to be an Olympian, but you don't want to go through the schedule that an Olympian has to go through. So what happens in life is we begin to shift from this idea of what's possible and, and from this idea of what's impossible into the, the, the concept of this, what's probable. And what's probable is always dictated by what I'm willing to give. There's certain things, there's certain lifestyles that you may want to have, but you know that you will probably never have it. Why? Because you're not willing to do what it takes to have that kind of life. It's not that you can't, it's that you won't. And whatever I won't do for a long amount of time, I start to believe that I can't do. Let me say that again. Whatever I won't do, whatever I choose not to do, whatever price is too high, whatever price I'm unwilling to pay, whatever I decide I won't do for any amount of time, eventually I start to believe that I actually can't do that thing. And it's not that I can't do that thing. It's that I've so conditioned myself to, dis- to make the decision that I'm not willing to do that thing that I actually start to believe that I can't do that thing. When me and my wife first, started, uh, first got married uh, 11 years ago, uh, we moved into an apartment, and then we start, we moved way too much since we got married. We moved like six, seven different places. And every time we moved, um, we come to this point in the move where it's time to hang the TV on the wall. Well, I don't know how to do that. So because I don't know how to do that, from day one, I'll just call Pete. Hey, can you come? Would you be willing to come do me a favor and come hang my TV on my wall? And they say, yeah, sure, I'll come, I'll come help you out. So every move, I've done that. It's in, 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 in every, every time that we move, I'd have to call somebody new. Well, we just moved again recently, but all of my TV hanging friends, I don't have no more. So when... <laughs> When I went to find somebody to hang my TV, I can't find anybody to help me to hang, hang my TV. And so my TV just laid up against, you know, like the lean against the wall. You know what I mean? So it's like leaning against the wall. Finally, we got this thing that would, would prop it up. And, and the other day, my wife was saying, you know, it would be really good if we could find a way to get that TV on the wall. And I thought to myself, yeah, but I can't do that. And then I realized, it's, I got YouTube. It's not that I, it's, it's, it's not that I can't, <laughs> it's not that I can't do that. It's that for so long. I haven't been willing to do that. And what I won't do for a long amount of time, actually I start begin to believe 
that I can't do it. Oh, you don't even understand. This is how most of us are. There are so many things in our life that are possible. We're just not willing to do what it takes to step into the possibilities of what could be. And it's not because, oh, it, it, it's, not, it's not because I can't. It's because I've been so unwilling to do it for so long that I start to believe that I can't. This is a tragedy. Because then I start living a, a less than life, feeling like I'm a victim. When I'm not a victim, I become a victim by choice. Because of what I haven't been willing to do for such a long amount of time, I start to believe that I can't do it. I got to drive this point home with you this morning. And so I'm going to show you a video. There's this guy that, that builds this underground uh, pool, and he doesn't have all the resources you would think you would need to make it happen. I believe it drives the point home a whole lot more than I can articulate it. So check out this video. Now, what, okay, what did you not get done last week? <laughs> right? Gosh, watch this in my living room. I'm like, man, I'm convicted, right? What did I not get done this last week, this last month, this last year, because I couldn't? Or is it not that I couldn't? Is it, is it that I've spent so much time where I wouldn't? that I started to believe that I couldn't. When I start thinking in terms of what I'm willing to do and unwilling to do, here's the challenge. It changes the narrative of your life. You no longer think about what's possible and what's impossible. Now you just think about what's probable and what's improbable. What are the chances? Because most of us will spend our life trying to get a handle on probability. Track with me this morning. 
Because probability is what helps me cope with reality. I want to know the chances of this marriage surviving so that I can just deal with it. If I could just know what I'm, you ever heard that? If I could just know what I'm dealing with. If I, I, I need to know how this scenario is going to end because if you could just tell me how it's going to end, I could brace for impact. If I could know the probability, I think it could help me because it could help me cope with my reality. And most of us live our lives in this place. What are the chances? And those chances are dictated and predicated upon what I contribute, what I can do, what other people contribute, what other people can do in order to get me to the place that I really think that I want to be, in order to have the life that, that I really, really want, that, that life that is fulfilling, that life that feels like nothing is missing. There's this man in the story who comes to Jesus. It's important to understand who this man is. This is not just a man who has wealth. This is not just a man who has things, although he has things. This is not just a man who has uh, lots of relationships and is influential, although he is all of those things. This is an extremely moral man. This is an extremely religious man. He doesn't just have natural things down, folks. He has spiritual things down. He is dotting every I, and he is crossing every T. He would be one of those super Christians. I'm doing everything God told me to do, and, and yet this man who is doing everything that God is telling him to do, as far as he is concerned and as far as he knows, a man who has everything that most of us in this room would say that we desire and that we want to have the life that, that we really, really want, this man still somehow feels like something is missing. This man still feels like somehow there is an itch that he cannot scratch, and for this reason, he comes in search of Jesus. And when he comes to Jesus, he starts asking Jesus, Jesus, I feel like something's missing. Tell me about eternal life. Because maybe what I'm looking for, I can't find here. Can you tell me about eternal life? How can I get eternal life? Maybe that's what I need to set my mind at ease. And Jesus very quickly turns this whole scenario around to make sure this man understands what he's asking about. You're really not just asking about eternal life. What you're looking for is more in your life. You're wanting the God kind of life. You're wanting what society has stolen and what we would call your best life, this fulfilled life, this maximized life where nothing is missing and nothing is broken. And I feel even when things are not okay, like I am okay. This is the life that this man is in search of. Jesus responds to this man and says, if this is the life that you're really after, here's what you got to do. You got to do what God says. This seems pretty simple. Isn't the man already trying to do what God says? But the man responds with something interesting as he's in quest of this life that probably many of us are in quest of today. I mean, aren't you? Things in your life may be going good. Some of you may be on cloud nine, but there's that thing that just feels like it's up. I don't know what it is. Things are going good. I mean, it's been worse. I don't really have a a lot to complain about. I have breath in my life. I should be thankful, but something's just off. How do I fix it? What can I do? do? If you want the God kind of life, Christ says to him, do what he says. Well, the guy fires back and says, yeah, but tell me, tell me specifically, this is how we work, right? Tell me specifically, because the type of religion that I want is box check religion. Tell me what I can do to earn my blessing. Tell me what I can do to earn God's favor. Tell me what I can do to get things to click. Tell me what I can do to make it all work. And at the end of the day, what Jesus is trying to get into this man's mentality and ideology is God is not looking for box check religion. There is nothing that you can do to curate the life that you want on your own. The only way that you get the life that you really desire is to let go of the life that you have and trust God to give you the life that he has predestined you for. Now, this is way easier said than done, and it preaches real good. 
But, but, but in response, the man says, but, but tell me something. And it's funny because Jesus then responds. Isn't this funny? Like, think about this. Jesus gives him a, a, a list of different things that this, uh, that, that, that this man uh, should, should do. And he says, uh, he says, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Honor your, he gives him a list of things that this man is already doing. Pause. Jesus is all-knowing. Like, Jesus is, is aware of the intents of a person's heart before he asks the question. Jesus, why, when this man asks, what do I need to do to have the God kind of life, do you tell him to do things that he's already doing? Because the way that humanity works is we feel like we can be justified by our behaviors in order to get the life that we want. But your behaviors will never justify or put you in a position to ultimately have the life that you want. The Bible says that our righteousness, think about this, on our own, meaning on my best day, my good standing with God is Filthy as rags, it is only through the redemptive plan of Christ when I put my faith, the great exchange, in somebody bigger than myself that God can see me, not based upon me, but based upon Christ. So the man responds, uh, yeah, Jesus, I've been doing all of those things. So Jesus responds, yeah, I know that you've been doing all of those things. So, so here's the one thing that you really need to do. Since you know that dotting all of your I's and crossing all your T's can't justify it, and this is what he says, because the man knows the man has, has wealth. I want you to go sell all, of, all that you have. I want you to give it to the poor. And then I want you to just come follow me. Come be, one of, be one, of my, one of my disciples. And the Bible says that the man gets sorrowful because he holds in his hands a lot of things. It's funny. Jesus asks for one thing, but the man holds in his hands a lot of things. A lot of times in life, all of the things that you're stressed out and worried and burdened about, it's really not all centered around a lot of things. It's really centered around one thing. And if you could ever learn to trust God with that one thing, all of these other things would begin to work themselves out. It's easy, it's easy to blame family, marriage, people, boss, finances, president, country, taxes, on all of our problems. But external problems don't start with an external solution. If you could get this principle, I'm telling you, it would change your life. This is something that God has really been working with me on. What are you, what are you mad at, Nick? What are you mad at externally? Because you can't fix it by trying to fix it externally. You're not gonna fix your money by trying to fix your money. You're not gonna fix your relationships just by trying to fix your relationships. It all starts with you. And if you could somehow work it out internally, it would begin to transform externally. Fundamental principle. So Jesus tells this man, take all, sell all your stuff and follow me. The man is sorrowful. He has a lot of stuff, and he turns, and he walks away. Because he can't see. He, here's what he thinks. He, he thinks that it's about his money. He thinks that Jesus is asking for his money because he wants his money. It's not about his money. You know what? It's about what his money represents. You know what the money represents? The probability that he could achieve happiness on his own. Is it not interesting that this man comes to Jesus, how can I make my life good? And Jesus, the problem is, man, you don't even know what good is. You think, you think a good life is a life that you can micromanage to get to a place where you feel successful. But a good life is not a life that you can micromanage. And, a good life is a life that you can surrender and trust God to put you in position and prosper you better than you could ever dream or, or achieve or accomplish on your own. You don't, under, you, don't, you don't understand. You don't understand what good is. You think it's about your money, but it's about the probability of what? 
It's the only thing that this man has. He, he comes to Jesus, help me make my life good. And so Jesus says, give me, the, give me the thing left that is currently, in your mind, making your life good. Because the thing that you think makes your life so good is not really the thing that can promise you a good life. You can have all the drugs, you can have all the sex, you can have all the relationships, you can have all the money, you can have all the notoriety, you can have fame on social media, people can know your name, but I'm here to tell you, that is not the thing that's going to set you up for a good life. What? Jesus says, why, why are you coming to me talking about what's good? You don't even get what's good. Because if you were really after a good life, you would trust me with the things that you think are providing for you a good, uh, providing for you a good life. Your money can't fix the problem, sir. Your money can't fix the problem, man. You're, you, the, the things that you think in your mind, if I ever let go of them, everything would fall apart. Business owners, if I ever let go of this employee, if I ever let go of this principal, if I ever changed and did things a little bit different, it would all fall apart. That's why you look at our church. Our church is a forward-moving, building organism that's living. We're not married to the past. You may say, why would, why would you switch up your model for doing church? Why would you bring things together and maybe not do the same campuses? When you look back over our church, we had campuses in Visalia. We had campuses in Southeast. But we've, we've always, but because you know what it's been? It hasn't been about our plan for ministerial success. It's been about trusting God. God, what is the assignment? Who are the people that you have for us to reach? There is no such thing as a failure when you trust God in the process. Do you know how many people go to this church that come up to me and they'll say, hey, I've been going to the church since we were, we had a campus over in Southeast Fresno. I think, you know what? You are probably the reason that God had to start a campus in Southeast Fresno. God is, not, God is not moved by your idea of good. Because your idea of good can't really deliver good. <laughs> he, 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 he's saying the only one who can give you the life that you really want is God. And what he's asking this man to give to him is the thing that makes his success probable because with God it's 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 not about things it's about trust God wants you to trust him with your life and until you do he can never do the things that he really wants to do in your life the text says the man turns around and walks away how much of our life do we live walking away how much of our life do we live do we live walking away because of, of different things and there's different identifiers most of us wouldn't say that we're people who walk away but yet we have the same traits as this man Right, if it walks like a duck, if it talks like a duck, maybe it's a... So, so, so you, you, you look at these, the traits of this man, people who, who have a tendency to walk... What is walking away? It's, I'm not willing to pay that much. I'm not willing to give God... I, I want his help, but I'm not willing to give him that. Come on, I'll give him everything else. I mean, I won't commit adultery. I won't do the, I won't do the big things, but, but I can't trust him with, with, with that. That's the thing that, that gives me the, this, this, the slim glimmer of hope that maybe my life could... Get, get what, what, what are the traits? We see it. People who, who are constantly walking away find themselves always busy. What am I talking busy? He says, I've, I've done all that. I've, I've, done every, I've done this, I've done that. I got this going, I got that going. In your life, when you find yourself constantly in this rhythm of busy, chances are the reason that you're so busy is because you're avoiding moves that actually you need to be making and busy promises you a feeling of productivity even though it's not productive at all. This is the curse of society, man. What are you, how are you doing? It's really, really, really busy. Yeah, but what are you doing with your life? Don't we look at people who are doing things with less resource and look what they're accomplishing and what am I doing running myself ragged just trying to keep up with a pace that is not productive man don't spend your life walking away from things that God has called you to just because you're busy not just not just the trade of busyness but but they, they, 
They become in their life, they become boastful. He says, I have done all of the, all those things since I was a kid. Really? Since you were a kid? You have never made a mistake since you were a kid? People who walk away from things are always trying to justify the things that they're not doing with the things that they are doing. Now I'm preaching this morning. Because sometimes in life, God, God, the, the, the problem with this man is not the good things that he's doing. He's doing really good things. You, you don't need to be sleeping around, and you, and you don't need to be killing people, and you don't need to be stealing from people. But, but that, that's not what I'm after. Sometimes we think God wants everything when really God is just after that one thing. Because that one thing is connected to everything. If you find yourself boastful, you might be a person who's walking away from things that God has for you. People who, who, are, always, who are always assuming the text says that he didn't expect Jesus to respond like that, which tells me when he showed up to go ask Jesus a question, he already had an ex. I'm going to show up to Jesus, and this is what Jesus is probably going to say to me. He's probably going to be so proud of how I've kept all of his commandments. He's going to probably say, what? You've been doing that since you were a little kid? Let me just go ahead and just sprinkle some, some doves to come on down and just, just give you some blessings for your good. He never expected. When you find yourself assuming in life, what are you doing? You're, you're hiding behind your ideology. You think that you know everything. You think that you your way is the high. You think that you got God figured out. And the second you think you got God figured out, God can't work outside of the box that you put him in because you get what you believe. They're assuming. You might be walking away. You find yourself always overwhelmed. His hands were full of many things. He was holding on to many things. Some of y'all are just doing too much. You got too much going on, so you have no space in your life to actually follow and to trust God and to step out because you have too many things in your hand. The last thing, afraid. He, he couldn't bear to let go. I think the thing that keeps us from stepping out is, is primarily centered around this idea. Uncertainty, fear to step out to trust God because we think it's about the thing, and with God, it's really about trust. Disciples begin to respond, and they're like, what? If, if, if... If as Jesus is watching this man walk away, if it's not possible for him, man, who is, who is it going to be possible for? Like, what chance do we have? Think about this. I think it's one of the most powerful parts of the scripture. The text says that Jesus watches the man walk away. How many times is, what is Jesus thinking when he's watching this man walk away? And I think, how many times has Jesus walked, watched me walk away from things that he's been calling me to? I think what Jesus is thinking, man, I wish you knew what I was trying to do for you. I wish you knew what was on the other side. Like, if you would have just trusted me with that, I know it was really vulnerable because it's like a money thing. Can I just time out? Time out. I hope you have your, your big boy britches on this morning because this, like, I could, I could, it's not about money, but for a lot of us, it is about money. Because the thing that keeps you from achieving the things that you really want to do, what is it most of the time? It's usually a money issue. And what does money represent? The probability. It's improbable that I could do, I could never do that. Why? I don't have the resources. I don't have the money. Again, hear me. Money represents probability. Money is the chances that it might happen. And so most of us, when God calls us to something, a new relationship, a new business venture, trusting him at a new level to do something, we think to ourselves, but I don't have the resource to make that happen. And that's probability. So the reason God asks for his money is because he's asking him to trust him with the, prob with the probability. The probability that makes him think that if he has enough, that it will happen. I'm here to tell you in your life, the reason that God wants you to trust him with these things that make it probable is because he's trying to get something back to you. This is why he says in the end of the story, those who have left home, those who have left family, and those who have left field or lands, when they leave it, they're not always going to have to leave it. They're going to get it back 
a hundred times. In other words, the, God is wanting you to, I got to stop preaching so you'll listen to me. God is wanting you to trust him with the most vulnerable aspects of your life so that he can give you back the most vulnerable aspects of your life a hundred times greater than you could manage or micromanage those things on your own. This is the great principle of giving. It's not about money. Give wherever you're going to give. If you're not going to tithe to this church, go to another church and tithe because it's not about the church. It's about you. God is looking for you to trust him. Stop. Think about it. Why? Because that's the area that forces you into predictability. and I could never do that because I don't have enough. And he says, if you'll trust me with this vulnerable area, I'll make sure that you always have more than enough. But I need your trust. Maybe for you it's not money. This is why he gives us these three scenarios. Those who have left home. You know what home represents? It represents security. Sometimes, sometimes in life, if I really want to have the God kind of life, which is the life that I've always dreamed of where I can be okay even when things are not okay, there are times that I'm going to have to feel like I'm not, I don't have the security that I've always had. What, what is a home? It's a place of safety, a place where I feel safe, a place where I rest. There's times in the journey that you're not going to feel safe because God is calling you to trust in him, not in your own secure methods that you've learned in the midst of your road uh, to success. He's looking for you to sometimes lay it, okay, I'm walking on water here, God, and it's nothing but me and you. And he says, good, because if you will learn to trust me, I'll give you more security in the future than you have in your present. It's not about, can you hear me? It's not about taking away your security in the present. It's about giving you more security in the future. I'll say that again. It's not about taking away your security in the present when he asks you to trust him with the things that make you feel safe. It's about giving you more security in the future. Why? Because he knows what's coming and you don't. Home. Whoever's given up home, whoever's given up security, they're going to have more security in the future. Whoever's had to lay of sight, whoever feels like, they, with the, like they've lost family, what does family represent? Support. I think the thing that keeps us back, I don't have any support. Nobody's, nobody's on board with my, nobody's on board with the vision that I have. Sometimes people can't go where you're going, it's, and it's not really that they can't. It's that they won't. Remember that principle? They won't go where you're going because they can't see the things that you see. There was people who said back in the days before a computer, there will be no need for a computer in everybody's home. Who would ever want a computer at their house? Now we walk around with computers in our hands called cell phones. Like, like, so think about people like Steve Jobs or people who were pioneers in, in, in technology advancement. There were, at some point, I had to, I'm not going to have the support. There's seasons that I don't have the support because the thing that I'm pushing for, it's not successful yet. There are things that God is going to place you, place in your heart that it's the success of tomorrow. It's not the success of today. And if you're looking for people to support you today, they won't be able to because they don't see what you see. God has given you a gift. And if you don't steward that gift and let go of support today so that you can have more support tomorrow, God's not trying to take away your support. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you got to walk through seasons. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not stopping there. But yea, though I walk through, there's certain seasons that I have to, there's seasons, some, and I hate it. I don't like it either. But I don't make the rules. There's seasons where he wants me to trust him. I've always had support. Where's our support? We don't have support. Where's all the support that we used to have? There used to be support, 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 support. Yea, though I walk through the, through the valley where I don't have support for a season, the reason that I have to walk through this valley where I don't have support is because people can't be my support. He has to be my support. And if I walk through a season... 
if I walk through a season when it seems like I don't have support, in the end, I will be fully supported. He's not taking away the support to keep me unsupported. He's asking me to trust him with the support so that he can give me more support in the future. Now, if, you, now if, you're not, if you're not a fan of computer, you're silly now, right? Like, now all the support in the world. It wasn't always like that. Those who let go of home, let go of family, let go of fields, land. It's agricultural community, Bible times. So in other words, the field is what they use to produce things so that they could sell them. It's the provision. It's the things that provided for them. You ever been in a season of your life where it seemed like the things that used to provide for you aren't providing for you anymore? Anybody ever lost your job and you didn't know why? Anybody ever been in a position where it seemed like, man, this used to kill it, and I'm not killing it at it like I used to, and I haven't really changed anything, and here's why. Because it's time for something new. God's trying to move you into a new season, and it's easy. Here's what's easy. It's easy, and let me just talk to the people who have been Christians for a long time. Sometimes it's easy to trust in spiritual methods that God used in a previous season to bless you and think that he's going to do it the same way today. But God doesn't want to do it the same way today because he doesn't want you to fall in love with the method in which he used to bless you. This is why when you read the story about Moses and the rock, speak to the rock or hit the rock. Am I going to hit the rock? And one time I hit the rock and water comes out, and the next time, it depends on what, what is God doing. There, there's, God doesn't want you married to the method. So sometimes I have to let go of, of the, what is the field? The, the, the field is my stability. So my security, my support, but then my stability, the thing that makes me feel like I'm going to make it, the thing that provides, my stability, I don't like it either. But there's seasons in life where I'm going to feel unstable. Am I unstable? No, because who's my stability? God. He is the rock. He, 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 is, he is my shelter. He is my strong tower. He is my stability. But there are seasons where I will feel as if I am not stable. What is, the, what is the purpose? Because God is saying, will you trust me with the thing that you have allowed to become your stability so that I can be that? And if you allow me to be that, I will make sure you are a hundred times more stable in the end. But I have to be willing, and here's what I have to be willing to do. I have to be willing to surrender the things that make my life probable one way or the other. I'm probably going to be a success. I'm probably going to be a failure. And if I can trust God with the probability he can show me what's possible. If I can trust God with what's probable, he can show me what's possible. I think a lot of times in life, we can't see what God is wanting to do because we're so fixated on the chances of it happening or the chances of it not happening. God is not limited by your resources. God is not limited by your relationships. God is not limited by your things. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which means he's, all of it is his. And whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, if you will position yourself in a place where I can clear the table and God, it makes me feel vulnerable, but I make a decision to trust you. I make a decision to give you the thing that makes me sometimes feel unsafe. He can show you the possibilities of what could be. And this is absolutely terrifying. You know why it's terrifying? Because when I surrender the thing that makes it probable, it's just absolutely improbable. It's not possible. And that's good news. Because when it seems like it's the most improbable, that's when it's the most possible. Did, did, you, did you hear me this morning? Who in this place feels like you're at the end of your rope? Who in this place feels like, Nick, I, it just doesn't look like it's going to work out. You're, you're in a perfect position. Why? Because he says, with man, no chance at all. No th nothing, nothing, the thing that you want, it's not. But with God, anything is possible. Everything is possible. Anything is possible. 
man, when you look at your life, when you look at your journey, when you look at where you're at, when you look at what you've walked through, I'm here to tell you that your greatest days could still be ahead, but it's going to cost you something. And it's going to cost you more than the cheap ideology that I can box check to get God to somehow bless me. It's cheap. You think morality is what God, that's cheap. You know what's greater than that? Trust. Can you trust me? Can you trust me that when you feel like you're shaking in your shoes, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't think it's going to work out. It doesn't seem like it's going to work out. But I choose to let go of my probability to embrace the possibility of what could be. (laughs) They say, well, then who has any chance at all? No chance in the world if it's dependent upon you. No chance in the world if it's dependent upon you. How, how can your marriage make it? No ch- hear me this morning. No chance in the world if it's dependent upon you. What are you up against? What is it? What's your thing? What's your, what's your thing? Di- diagnosis? Somebody saying you're going to die? What are the chances that I make it? No chance in the world if it's dependent upon you. Doesn't that make you scared? I think sometimes that's the great place to be. Because I can't be dependent on me. I have to be dependent upon him. Guys, if this God we say that we believe in, hear me today, if he's not who he says he is, we're in trouble. If, if, if he only chooses to heal some people and he's not going to heal, he doesn't want to heal everybody, we're in trouble. If he wants to pick and choose who he prospers and he, doesn't want, he actually doesn't have your best interest in mind, we're in trouble. But if he is who he says he is, man, you've never been so secure. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know it doesn't look like it. I know the diagnosis doesn't say it. And I know your emotional and relational turmoil doesn't say it. But but, but if he is who he says he is, when it seems like it's impossible, that's when everything is possible. When it seems like it's not probable and there's no way. I'm here to tell you today the God that we serve is not motivated by your to-do list. He's not motivated by your morality. You know what? He's inspired by trust. Will you give me access or will you keep walking away and letting me watch you? How much of my life have I spent walking away? God saying, man, I wish you knew. I wish you knew. I wish you knew what I was trying to do, Nick. I wish you knew when you wouldn't trust me. You were walking away because you had it all figured out. You were cared about your image, and you cared about what you could bring to the table, and you cared about your giftings, and you cared about your talents, and you were you were going to be the man. I wish you knew what I was trying to get to you, sir. I wish, I wish you knew what I was trying to get to you, man. Ma'am, when you left the church because you were offended about things not God. I wish you knew what I was trying to actually work in your life as he had to sit there and watch you walk away. Never again. Never again, God. Never again will you have to watch me walk away because I'm not willing to give what you're asking me for. If that means it hurts, and if that means I feel like I don't have stability and like I don't have security. God, if that means that I feel like nobody supports me, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore because if you are who you say who you are, then you're my only hope. You're you're my only hope. You think you're going to do it? Come on, you think you're going to do it with your giftings and your talents and your abilities and your hustle and your grind and your smarts? Are you that good? Because I certainly am not. I need all the help that I can get. I did not put myself here. And I'm done acting for a second like I know why I'm here. He holds the keys to my life. I do not. And if we could ever get into a place where we could trust him. I don't know what your, what your thing is. This is why Jesus said, 
Do you know how hard it is for a rich? It's not about, it's not about the rich. It's, do you know how hard it is to get people who are just married to probability into God's way of doing things? Because they're so blindsided by what's probable or not probable based upon the facts. I don't work within the confines of facts. It is possible to whoever believes that he is, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and trust him. And as we trust God, then you find out he meets you every time. Would you stand with me all across this room? I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to do what he can do because I, I don't know what your thing is. But I think sometimes we're so overwhelmed when it comes to religion and spirituality because we're trying to, we're just like this man, I'm trying to do it all. And I think that a lot of times, you, you don't understand the God that we serve. He's just, he's not asking for it all. He's just asking for one thing. You know, what is the, it's, and this is the whole thing. Like, if you just did one thing by one thing by one thing by one thing, you can do that. And if you did that, man, what could your life unfold to become? What could your life unfold to become? Would you close your eyes all across this room? Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you ask him, God, would you show me what my one thing is? He will. He'll show you. Would you ask him right now? And it's going to float to your mind. It's going to be like a thought. And you're like, I don't know if that's it. it, it it's going it's to float. That's how the Holy Spirit's going to work. Right now in this moment. If you've never experienced this, I'm going to show you how it works. Right here. God is, God is looking to speak. It's like my dad was talking about earlier. This hide and see. He's not hiding from you. He's hiding for you. He's waiting for you to ask him. Right now, ask him. He'll tell you. What's my one thing? What is the thing that you're wanting me to trust you with? What is it? What is the thing that you're wanting me to trust you with, God? What is the thing that you're wanting me to trust you with? What is the thing that you're wanting me to trust you with today, God? God, in this place today, we just open our hearts before you. Come on, right, right, you have, it's, this is between, now it's on you. Like, this is between you and God. You don't need church. You don't need religion. We don't need to act like we got it all together. Let's just, just in the next 30 seconds, just a moment of vulnerability. God, what are you asking of me? Not so that you can take it from me, but so that you can get back to me the thing that you're really wanting to get to me. desiring to work through you. He's desiring to work through you. He's desiring to work through you. Hear, hear me today. And let's go to the other, let's go to the other song. Let's go to the uh, Waymaker. Let's sing Waymaker. I want you to think about this. Some of you need to know that God is desiring to work through you. I think sometimes we think he's looking and say, would you get it together so that I could do what I want to do already? That's not his attitude towards you. Hear me, from the front to the back, I'm talking to everybody in this room because we are not looking to have a pretty church here in this community. We're looking to have a community that has the ability to trust God to a place that we can change the world. Do you hear me today? Do you hear me today? God, God is not, he's not, he's not, I don't care what religion has taught you. The God of the gospel is not sitting up there. Would you get it together so that we can get some stuff done? No, he's wanting to show himself strong through you. He's, 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 He's like me with my kids when we go to the swimming pool. And it's like, come on, I want to see you jump in because there's a thrill that you get to experience when you do that. And they're like, no, I'm scared.
And I'm not saying get in the, get in the pool. Would you get in the pool already? I hear, that's, not, that's not how God's doing. What do I do with my kids? Come on, baby, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. Trust me. Dad, Dad won't let you fall. Dad won't let you fall. Come on, you can trust me. This is what God is doing with you this morning. Hey, come on, I won't let you fall. Give me those relationships. Give me those burdens. Give me those defense mechanisms. Start trusting me in a way that you've never trusted me. He's not mad at you. He's saying, come on, I got this. Come on, I got you. Jump and let me see if I will catch you. Come on, won't he do it? Won't he be faithful? Won't he turn it around? He said that he will, and I believe if he said that he will, that he's going to do it. Can you think about it this morning? Come on, if he said that he's going to do it, won't he do it? What do you believe about your God? Won't he do it? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. If you'll be willing to trust him with that place in your heart, I'm here to tell you he's going to turn it around. He's going to turn the marriage around. He's going to turn your, he's going to turn your mind around. Some of you who have been battling anxiety and been tormented, suicidal thoughts, you've been having evil encounters, I'm here to tell you God's going to turn it around. When? When you start letting go of that thing that you start, it's nervousness. Here, let me, let me calm down. Sometimes we get so nervous in our lives. You know what causes a lot of tor- torment in our soul? Ourselves. Because I don't know how it's gonna work out. I don't know how it's gonna work out. I don't know how it's gonna work out. How's it gonna work out? How's it gonna work out? And I can't sleep. Is that how it's gonna work out? And how's it gonna work out? And I'm up all night. And how's it gonna work out? Breathe. That's your thing. Breathe. Hear me today. He did not bring, he did not bring you this far to leave you. Do you no no no? Don't clap. Don't clap. Don't clap. Listen, listen. <laughs> listen to me. I need you to, I need you to soak these words up like a sponge. So that when you go home tonight and you're tormented, you can remind your soul. Hear me. Let it feed your soul this morning. He did not bring you this far to leave you. Think about it. Do you think that he walked you through everything that you've been through just to say, see ya? And yet that's what you rehearsed in your mind. I don't know how it's gonna work out. I don't know how it's gonna Like you think he's gonna leave you now? You think that that's the God you believe in, that he's, he's going to leave you now? I don't know how it's going to work out on this guy. You think he's, he didn't bring you this far to leave you? Reminded that he didn't, he didn't bring you this far to leave. He didn't teach you to swim to let you drown. He didn't build his home inside of you so that he could move away. He didn't lift you up to let you down. Did you hear me today? He didn't lift you up to let you down. He hasn't lifted you up. He hasn't brought you out of the mess. He hasn't brought you out of the place that you, he hasn't given you your story just to let you sink. No, he's still working. He's still working. Walk through it. Walk through it. Walk through it. One foot in front of the other. This is like a common, a common thing in what God, just keep moving. Just keep moving, man. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Just keep moving in your marriage. Just, I, know, I know there's more bills than you have money. Just keep moving. Get, come on, keep moving. Keep trusting. He is, he, is, he is not far off. He is very near. And sometimes you have to anchor your soul in who he is. We freak out just like the disciples. Whoa, how, how do any of us have any chance? You don't. If it's on you, but if you give it to me, I got you. Would you close your eyes? Sing Waymaker. Come on, you remind yourself who he is. You tell him who he is. Waymaker, Not because he's forgotten, but sometimes we do. You hear me? Not because he forgot, but sometimes we do. That is who you are. I know you know clerically and intellectually, but could you remind yourself spiritually? 
Society's going to tell you this week that he's not. Your emotions are going to tell you that he's not. So you need to remind them he's a way maker. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Come on, is he or is he not? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Come on, won't he do it? sing that out loud. Because <laughs> some of you, that's where you at. I don't see it. Come on, let's say it today. Even when Taking a lot. Let them hear your own voice. Tell yourself who your God is. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Come on, you need to hear it. You need to hear yourself say it. Not what your mind and your thoughts say. What does your mouth say? It's like a rudder that drives a ship. Come on, say it. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. 
Yeah, but it doesn't look probable. It doesn't look probable. I don't know. I don't know. What do you say to that? He's a way maker. Miracle work. Oh, he's a promise keeper. And light in the darkness. My God, that is who you So God, from our mouths to your ears, let it be known that today the great exchange has happened with us. That God, what you want, you get because we are not faithful, but you are. So out of the words of our mouth, we declare unto our God, you are a way maker, you are a miracle worker, you are a promise keeper, you are light in the darkness. So God, we will settle for nothing less than your best. We will have no confidence or security in self, but 100% under utter dependence and confidence in who you are. It's who you are. It's not what you do, it's who you are. And because it's who you are, you cannot change. You stay the same. Chin up. Some of you, you've been spending too much time walking around with your chin down, bracing for impact. I hear the Spirit of God saying to you, chin up. Walk taller. Square your shoulders. You hear me? Do you hear me? Walk taller, square your shoulders, remind yourself who your dad is. You hear me? The kids of somebody influential, you ever notice how they walk around? Like spoiled little brat. Why? They know who their dad is. Walk taller. Walk taller. You're not defeated. It's not over. He didn't bring you this far. When it seems improbable, it's the most possible. All things, all things, all things. What about all, all, A-L-L. You know what that is? All, all things. Yeah, no, all things. So when your mom wants to go there this week, you bring it back like an anchor. All things. But what about that? No, all, all things. Okay? God, would you help us today? Maybe you're here today and never made a decision to place your faith in Christ. Before we go. I want to give you an opportunity. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, we say, I'm not going to try to talk you into it. I believe your heart compels you to do so. We believe there is an eternal life. We believe the only way our life gets better is by this great exchange. Where the first end up last and the last end up first. People seem like they knew the way. They didn't know the way. People that were like, we think we know the way, God promotes. If you want to make a decision, I want to ask you to pray this prayer. Everybody, we're family. Can we just pray this prayer out loud? Say this with me. Say, Jesus, today. I believe in my heart, and I say out of my mouth, you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe you came back from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Now help me to live the life. Say it again, help me to live the life. You have made me to live I trust you even when it's hard I trust you in Jesus name everybody said thanks for listening if this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus